Hi, my name is Molly and I love all things ghoulish, macabre, spooky and paranormal. If you do too, then you'll love to tune in and listen to me, bringing you haunted tales from every county in the United Kingdom and eventually beyond. Each week, I pick a county randomly from my ghost haunted box and bring to you a ghostly tale from that particular county. This week, we have been transported to the quaint county of Rutland. So sit or lie back and let's get ghoulish. They estimate the current 2023 population of Rutland to be 42,000. Rutland is the smallest historic county in England and it's known for its picturesque countryside and quaint charm. Rutland is the smallest ceremonial county in England by both area and population. It's often referred to as the County of Rutland or simply Rutland. Rutland Water, a man-made reservoir, is one of the largest artificial lakes in Europe. The county is known for its rolling hills, charming villages and beautiful countryside. Rutland was once part of the historic County of Leicestershire until it gained independence in 1997. Oakham is the county town of Rutland and is known for its historic market square. The horseshoes, symbols of Rutland, can be found throughout the county, particularly in Oakham. Rutland is famous for its Rutland ospreys, a population of these birds that have been successfully reintroduced. The county hosts the annual Rutland County Show, celebrating its agricultural heritage. Rutland has a wealth of historic churches, including the Norman-style St Mary's Church in Wissendine. The Rutland Bell is a well-known boat that cruises on Rutland water, offering scenic tours. The county is home to Barnsdale Gardens, a series of themed gardens and the former home of Jeff Hamilton, a well-known gardening presenter. Oakham Castle is famous for its collection of decorative horseshoes presented by royalty and nobility. Rutland is known for its locally produced food and drink, including Rutland Bitter and Melton Mowbray Pork Pies. Rutland's motto is Maltum in Parvo, which means much in little, reflecting its small size with much to offer. The county is a haven for bird watchers with various nature reserves and bird watching sites. Rutland has a rich equestrian heritage and hosts events like Burley Horse Trials. The village of Uppingham is home to Uppingham School, 
one of England's top independent schools. The county has a network of footpaths, cycling routes and bridleways making it popular for outdoor enthusiasts. Rutland is known for its warm and welcoming community spirit, often holding local events and festivals. This week, our ghostly story takes us to HMP Ashwell. HM Prison Ashwell is a Category C men's prison located in the parish of Burley in the county of Rutland, England. Some great information provided by the Ghost Book website explains some of its background for us when it was a Category C men's prison. Surrounded by piles of rubble, of former buildings and razor wire fencing, it was hard to shake the uneasy feeling that greeted me as soon as I entered the prison grounds. Ashwell Prison is a sight steeped in emotion. First and foremost, I began to imagine the prisoners who spent time there, some evil and serving life sentences for heinous crimes, some remorseful for their actions, and others perhaps charged with offences they didn't commit. As I walked around the old cells and saw left behind items from former prisoners, a really eerie feeling swept over me. Discarded toothbrushes, CDs and other personal items made me feel as though I was about to bump into a real-life prisoner when I turned the next corner. And all that before the spirits were taken into account. So the location is Burley, Rutland, UK. The date built was 1955. It's partially ruined and its original purpose was a Category C men's prison. Other uses, where the former prison is now used as an airsoft venue, you can also attend zombie prison experiences there if you're mad. It also serves as a ghost hunt location. Previous buildings on the site, so in February of 1944, units of 505 paratroopers left Northern Ireland for their long journey to Leicestershire. The US 82nd Airborne Division set up base at neighbouring Rutland near Cottesmore Airfield. The rigours of the 82nd Parachute Maintenance Company immediately got to work. Their job was to pack and repair parachutes for training at the nearby jump school. The buildings of Ashwell Prison now sit on this site. Some interesting facts. So £6 million was invested in the prison in 2008. A new wing was opened, adding 64 cells and increasing the capacity to 619. This money was wasted, however, as in 2009, Ashwell hit the headlines again. 
This time, a riot broke out on the 10th of April and lasted two days before officers brought the situation under control. It began when an inmate serving a three-year sentence confronted staff and refused to return to his cell. As many as 400 prisoners became involved with a 60-strong hardcore. According to the Prison Officers Association, spokesman Glyn Travis, the riots were brought on following a decision to remove privileges from certain prisoners. In total, around 480 prisoners were transferred and 180 were secured in cells. 75% of the prison had been made uninhabitable and over the following years, costs of reconstruction proved too high and the prison closed its doors. Grizzly history. I think it goes without saying that being a prison, Ashwell had a grisly history. Fights were commonplace. Injuries and deaths certainly occurred. In 2003, four rioters caused damage amounting to over £10,000. A prisoner was found drinking in his cell and began to behave aggressively towards a guard. The prisoner, with three others, barricaded themselves into a room and began destroying office equipment, computers and windows. When brought under control, all four inmates were transferred to other prisons. Deaths. There were 14 recorded deaths at Ashwell from 1978 to 2009. And claim to fame, Ashwell Prison was often featured on the news, never for good reasons. As well as the numerous riots that caused a media stir, a dangerous escapee once made the headlines. In 2005, a prisoner suffering with tuberculosis escaped from Leicester Royal Infirmary while being treated for the illness. He was described by Leicestershire police as dangerous and infectious. He was caught two weeks later. Reported paranormal activity. So audible, there are disembodied footsteps that have been heard. Shouting is heard from the cells. Unidentified loud bangs heard like heavy metal doors. Visual, strange lights seen and shadow figures seen. Poltergeist, objects are said to move on their own. And the time span of hauntings, there have been many, many reported sightings dating from at least the 1960s. Upon doing my research to try and find some creepy witness accounts of anyone visiting this building, one of the best, comprehensive and most entertaining accounts I found was by none other than The Most Haunted Team, a show I've loved for many years. I wanted to share their experience of investigating HM Prison Ashwell with you all. 
the first half of the investigation has been kindly provided by the Higgy Pop website. Here goes. So Yvette Fielding and the Most Haunted team embark on a special uncut edition of Most Haunted at a prison in Rutland, where witnesses have reported seeing dark shadowy figures, hearing unexplained noises and seeing doors slam. On a very cold and snowy night in the East Midlands, Yvette welcomes us to the former prison before telling us a little bit about its history. HMP Ashwell opened in 1955 and was constructed on the site of a World War II army base. It was originally an open prison but converted to a Category C prison in 1987 housing all male inmates. In 2009, a major riot broke out in the prison which involved around 400 prisoners. Fires and damage caused by the incident made around 75% of the prison uninhabitable. With the cost of repairs too great, the prison closed in 2011 and has been empty ever since. Ashwell has been home to many criminals and like other penal establishments it has witnessed plenty of negative emotions, violence and deaths. The prison is said to be plagued by strange sounds, shadows are seen moving across derelict rooms, footsteps are said to follow the unsuspecting and dark figures lurking corners. Visitors and previous paranormal investigators who have ventured into this foreboding place have reported encountering the spirits of former inmates as well as US servicemen from the 82nd Airborne Division. There have been numerous reports of dark shadowy figures throughout the prison buildings and in its grounds and visitors say they felt like they're being pushed out-of-cell doors. Yvette was joined by the same team from the last series. First off, the show's executive producer and Yvette's husband, Carl Beatty. Before the investigation got underway, Carl said, I'm very eager to get going, to be honest. It's a weird place and it's so cold. I cannot explain how bitterly cold it is. Yvette then moves on to Stuart Torvell, the show's long-serving cameraman who had already had an odd experience in the prison earlier in the day. While preparing for the shoot, Stuart heard a door slam and caught it moving on camera. He ran to investigate, only to find the area was completely empty. Seconds later, the sound of something falling or being thrown could be heard. Stuart couldn't identify the source of the sound. Speaking to the camera, he said, There's only me around here now. That's three things that's happened in the space of one minute. Presumably, the first thing he didn't catch on camera 
and is the reason he started filming. He told Yvette, I'm very nervous about tonight, but I'm very excited to actually start ghost hunting. Then we catch up with Fred Bat, Most Haunted's resident demonologist, who says the building, unlike some of the prisons they team have investigated in the past, doesn't have much such a grim history. He said no one was hanged here, but people died here. He also says that the land the prison is built on has a history of witchcraft and demons. You've got loads of things going on on the land. Yvette then moved on to the show's sceptic Glenn Hunt. He points out that as a Category C prison, the nature of the crimes committed by those who are incarcerated here are much tamer than in the other prisons they've investigated, which have been Category A prisons. He added, I'm not too scared or worried about anything negative being here. Also joining the team on the investigation is the show's location manager, Jenny Bryant, and Louise Jones, a.k.a. Lou, the show's producer. They were stationed in the crew's base room. Their job throughout the investigation will be to monitor four static cameras placed at paranormal hotspots throughout the building. Lights out. So with the lights out, Yvette split her team into groups and gave them instructions on which part of the prison complex they'd be investigating, reminding them that communication is key. Please keep in touch with each other. It's very important because there's a lot of uneven floors, doors that don't shut and so on. After wishing the gang good luck, they head out into the prison, leaving Jenny and Lou in the base room. But no sooner had they left, a huge bang was heard just outside of the room. Greg Smith, one of the show's cameramen, came back to investigate. He said, we heard that. It sounded like something being thrown. G-Wing. Yvette, Carl and Stuart had made their way to the pitch black G-Wing for their first vigil of the night. Almost straight away, they heard strange disembodied knocks. Yvette used this in an attempt to communicate, asking the spirits how many of them were there. She heard seven knocks in response to her questions. She then asked, do you all mean us harm? She said the response was no, but she hadn't actually told them to use one knock for yes and two for no, so I'm not really sure how this worked. Two knocks could have meant that two of them want to cause them harm. Yvette confirmed through this method that four of the spirits meant them harm, that they were all male and that they had a connection with the land dating back to a time before the prison was built. Later, while wandering through the dark corridors of G-Block, Carl thought he could hear footsteps in the distance and ran off to investigate, with Yvette and Stu trying to keep up. They were getting a little frustrated and Stu sounded a little worried. This place is like a maze. They eventually caught up with Carl, who hadn't been able to find the source of the footsteps. Yvette then tried whistling, asking the spirits to copy her. Straight after Yvette whistled, Carl said he had heard something reply. 
I don't know if it's a bird or an animal, but I heard something. They continue to walk around the maze of corridors and rooms, which looks more like an office block than a prison. Suddenly Yvette panicked after hearing an unexplained noise behind her. Yvette aggressively called out, Is there somebody here with us now? But she didn't get a response. They then heard footsteps again, but this time they said it sounded like it was moving towards the past and past them. Yvette placed a K2 EMF meter on the floor in the hopes that a spirit might trigger the lights on the device if it walked past again. They heard a few more strange sounds, but the lights on the device didn't flash. Yvette suddenly got the feeling that there was something evil there with them. Stuart agreed and whispered, we're being watched. They then heard a man's voice in the distance. They ran to investigate, not sure where the voice was coming from. Stuart said, that was so clear then, you're right, that was a male's voice. This was followed by the loud sound of a slamming door. Cole ran off down the corridor after hearing a noise. At the end of the corridor, he heard a proper male voice saying, Go. Stuart then came up with an idea. He said, if this was an all-male prison, you'd think they'd be pretty excited that we've got a female with us. Before being interrupted by a loud bang coming from somewhere along the corridor, once things had calmed down, Stuart continued. Entice him, Yvette. Ask him out on a date. Get things going. You're female, he's male. The surprised Yvette snapped back. Why don't you ask him out on a date, Stuart? She suggested that there might have been gay inmates in the prison. Carl agreed. To be fair, Stuart, you do have a very big gay following. Yvette then called out, do you fancy Stuart? There was no response from the spirits, but Stuart said, I'll take one for the team if you show yourself to us, and that's a promise. After hearing some more footsteps, the three of them decided, the three of them headed back to the base room. But on their way back, Carl said he'd seen a fully solid figure stood through one of the doorways in the corridor. Perhaps it was the excitement of this that resulted in them getting completely lost on their way to the base room. F-Wing Meanwhile, Fred and Greg had gone to investigate F-Wing. Fred picked up a chain and called out, If I throw this chain, see if you can throw it back to me. He threw the chain, which landed loudly further along the dark corridor. The duo thought it sounded like there was another noise after the chain had hit the floor. As they walked away, Greg, Greg said he was keeping Fred behind him in case the chain did get thrown. While it might not have got thrown, a little later they did hear a clinking sound coming from the darkness that sounded like the chain moving. They then heard what sounded like footsteps near them. Fred then started his legendary incantations, which are designed to drum up spiritual activity, specifically certain entities. And he chanted, 
and said, Come forward, any lost souls that are here, come forward and see us. Moments later, Fred saw a light or shadow at the bottom of the stairs leading down to the lower level of the wing. Jenny and Lou also saw something on one of the static cameras at that same moment. Lou said she had also seen what looked like a black mist on another of the cameras at the very moment Fred started his incantations. E-Wing While all this was going on, Glenn was on E-Wing with the show's sound guy Darren Hutchinson who heard what he thought sounded like a butterfly's wings beating somewhere around him. They then heard what Glenn thought sounded like someone clearing their throat, or a little grumble, as Darren described it. Glenn then said, copy me, and whistled a couple of times to see if any spirits that might be present might copy him. He then asked the spirits to copy him as he knocked on a nearby cabinet but there seemed to be little response. A little while later, they heard what Darren described as a really defined noise that went boom. They continued to explore the floor and Glenn suddenly rushed across the room after seeing a small light come on and vanish again, but he couldn't work out what had caused it. F-wing lower level. After regrouping, Yvette sent Greg and Glenn off to E-Wing, but their vigil proved to be a little quiet. The others spread out across F-Wing. Yvette took her group to the upper floor, while Carl and Stuart remained on the lower floor. Almost straight away, they started hearing what they thought sounded like footsteps coming from all around them. Carl then thought he heard Yvette call him on his walkie-talkie, but when he radioed through to check, Yvette said, No, I did not call. Carl, sounding confused, said, This just went off and it was your voice saying, Carl. A few moments later, they heard a loud bang coming from nearby. It sounded like something hitting, hitting a wooden surface, but it wasn't clear what caused it. Stuart then pulled out an EMF meter, which started flashing, indicating a spike in the ambient electromagnetic field. Carl called out in an attempt to communicate using the K2. Then they heard a loud bang from somewhere along the corridor and moments later they heard a piece of something being thrown and scattering across the floor. Meanwhile in the F-wing upper level, one floor up in the same wing, Yvette was with Fred and Darren. They heard a very loud, breathy sigh that was caught clearly on camera. It was none of the three present on the vigil and there was no one else around on this level of the cell block who could have made the sound. Darren reported feeling uneasy and like his chest was tight. He said, it's genuinely unnerving me. He couldn't explain this sudden feeling of discomfort at one point, Devet said she was worried that Darren was going to have a heart attack. Darren reassured her he was all right. No, they can't give me a heart attack, can they? A little while later, Yvette grabbed the large chain that is used to lock one of the exterior doors and threw it along a corridor, hoping that any spirits present might throw it back. The chain didn't move, but they did hear tapping and a wheezy breath. 
Fred then tried a few more of his incantations to stir up some paranormal activity. Fred called out, Come forward and meet us. Touch one of us. Touch Darren. Darren seemed to be handling this pretty well. In the last series, Darren made it very clear that he didn't enjoy Fred's incantations. A few minutes later, they heard some very loud and clear tapping sounds. We then got our first massive scream of the series from Yvette when a loud creaking noise was heard. It turned out that it was only Darren holding a door open, but Yvette shouted at Darren to stop it. I'm going to shit myself. Lone Vigils The team regrouped once again and Yvette sent them all off in different directions, this time on lone vigils. Yvette had nominated herself to go to the lower floor of G-Wing on her own. This is said to be the most haunted part of the site. Greg wasn't far away as he was holding his vigil on the upper floor of the same cell block. Meanwhile, Glenn had headed off to the isolation cell block to perform some EVP experiments and Stuart and Fred had been sent to E-Wing where Stu teased Fred about wearing Cuban heels, something Fred denied. Darren was on the upper floor of F-Wing while Carl was a floor below in the same wing. Yvette instantly regretted her decision to go to G-Wing alone. She said... Why did I say I was going to do this? Adding, this place is just so scary. She started hearing tapping, which turned out to be the sound of footsteps coming down the corridor towards her. She called out, hello, can you make a noise please? Immediately there was a strange sound from the darkness. Moments later, Yvette said she'd seen a shadow walking across the hallway in front of her. Unfortunately, she had the camera aimed at her face at the time. Carl wasn't having much fun on his vigil either. He was walking through a very dark corridor alone when he heard a noise coming from the other end that was like something being thrown at him. This incident marked the end of the first part of that episode, but not the end of the investigation. You can watch these episodes and find more out about Most Haunted and all of their previous episodes on their YouTube channel. Wow, that was creepy. So thanks for joining me today and learning all about the tiniest most quaint county in all of England, and investigating a really terrifying place. Before I go, I will see what county the ghost-haunted box has chosen for us to investigate next week. And it has chosen Cumbria. Join me next week on Friday, September the 15th at 7pm Greenwich Mean Time to explore the county of Cumbria with me.
Until then, stay curious, stay cautious, and never let your guard down. For the realm of the unknown is always closer than we think.